0: Amen. Amen. amen amen what a wonderful day of worship uh, so grateful um, uh, the world has changed since 2020 so there's lots of new folks here uh Anaji is my brother-in-law actually and he's led worship for a number of years I let's give it up for Anaje and welcome him back my sister-in-law veronica here and the family's just been wonderful to be with them over the last uh, few days, we are uh, in a series uh, Finishing a series on, called God in Our Bodies If you're watching from newlife.nyc on Facebook, on YouTube I'm so glad that you're with us And if you're new in this church, if you're in the room for the first time My name is Rich, I'm the lead pastor here at New Life And at the end of our service, if we've never met before Or if we haven't seen each other in a while I'll be downstairs with our pastors And leaders and would love to meet you before you head out So please make your way to me before you head out of the building We have been in a series Called God in Our Bodies, Exploring the Connections Between Spirituality and Sexuality, and over the last 10 weeks, we've covered a lot of ground. We've talked about the theology of the body, we've talked about uh, sexual wounds, we've talked about shame, we've talked about lust, we've talked about marriage, and singleness, and friendship, and culture wars, and Jesus, and the LGBTQ community, and Jesus, and gender identity. I'm just so happy you're still here, okay? I'm just so happy. Happy you are still here because to talk about things like this often disrupts and fragments churches. And I believe that God has positioned our church over the years to continue to have these conversations, to open ourselves up to the Spirit of God, and to recognize that while we might not see everything in the same way, we can still be the body of Christ loving one another well. You know, anyone or any community that sees everything in the same way, you know what you call that? A cult. And we're not a cult. We're the body of Christ. We're followers of Jesus, learning to negotiate our differences in a way that is faithful to our Lord Jesus Christ. And today we're going to wrap up our series with a text that I want to uh, look at. And before I get into the text, I just want to highlight one quote that I read this past week from Philip Yancey, he he asked the question like Why is it so hard for churches to talk about Sexuality, and and This is some words that I want to just Pay attention to for a second, he said I know of no greater failure among Christians than in presenting a Persuasive approach to sexuality Outside the church, people think Of God as the great spoil Sport of human sexuality Not its inventor The Pope utters pronouncements, denominations Issue position papers And many Christians ignore them and follow the lead of the rest of society surveys reveal very little difference between church attenders and non-attenders in the rates of premarital intercourse cohabitation divorce all the rest surveys also show that many people have left their churches in disgust Over hypocrisy about sex, especially when ministers fail to practice what they preach. And so to talk about matters of sexuality is fraught with all kinds of difficulty, challenges, hypocrisy over the years, and yet this is an area where God wants to form us. In the way of Jesus And so we're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 6 You can follow in your Bible You can follow on the screen or in your phone And I think this is a passage That really encapsulates the last 10 weeks for us And I believe God wants to do something deep in us As we prepare to take communion together And worship some more Hear the word of the Lord 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 12 Paul says And he's talking to the Corinthian people In this first line because he's quoting them here He says, I have the right to do anything you say But not everything is beneficial I have the right to do anything But I will not be mastered by anything You say food for the stomach and the stomach for food And God will destroy them both The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality But for the Lord And the Lord for the body By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Think about that for a second. Your bodies, your physical bodies, are members of Christ himself. Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with the prostitute? Never. Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said the two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? who is in you, whom you have received from God, you are not your own. You were bought with the price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Jesus, give us grace for this passage. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart to receive all you have for us this day we pray these things in the name of jesus and everyone said amen Amen. Amen. last year i went on a trip to dallas for the first time getting out of the airport i called an uber or scheduled an uber and picked me up and had about 30 minutes before i got to the airport to the place i was supposed to preach it was my first time in Dallas, and so the Uber driver uh, was sharing some things about the city. I had some questions about places to eat, I had some places, questions about where tourists typically go, and the driver was happy to let me know of popular places to eat, popular places to, where tourists go. And then he began to let me know where particular celebrities lived in Dallas. And he especially loved to point out the homes where celebrities were living He'd say, do you know about that movie star? That movie star lives down that street And he'd say, you know, the, the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, Jerry Jones uh, He lives in that house And you know that singer, that singer, she lives in this neighborhood He was just so happy that famous celebrities were living right in the neighborhood And the average person did not know that they lived in those places and when I think about this text and think about my conversation with that Uber driver, I think about our passage today, I think about the story of Christianity, because Christianity teaches us that the God of the universe lives in the neighborhood. Christian faith teaches us that the God, the creator of heaven and earth, is closer than we think. The gospel teaches us that God has found a home in the bodies of those who belong to Jesus Christ. And this is staggering, staggering news. And that's what I want to explore in this passage today that our bodies are holy spaces where God longs to dwell. Our bodies are holy spaces where God. Longs to dwell. And this is what Paul is getting at in the passage that we just read. Paul is writing to a church, the church in Corinth, the Corinthian church. And the church in Corinth, if if you really want to know what this church was about, you could summarize Corinth in a phrase. Corinth really is sin, sin city that's where people went if they really wanted to explore if they really wanted to let loose they went to corinth because corinth was sin city people would travel to corinth to be corinthized to be corinthized and to be corinthized meant that's the place where you can get loose That's the place where you can get drunk. That's the place where you can do whatever you want. You are free to do whatever you wanted to do. College students went to Corinth during spring break. (laughs) There were billboards, I'm sure, in Corinth that said, what happens in Corinth stays in Corinth. And so we have a church who lives in Sin City, We have a church that does whatever they want in a city where people do whatever they want to do. They lived in a place where they believed they were sexually free, and because of that atmosphere, it was a place of great spiritual bondage. It was a place of great spiritual confusion, and it just so happened that the gospel of Jesus Christ arrives in Corinth. Aren't you glad that the gospel shows up in the places of deepest pain. Aren't you glad that the gospel shows up in the darkest of places? Aren't you glad that the gospel shows up in the places not where people have it all together and don't need God? God shows up and the gospel shows up in the places that are caught up in all kinds of stuff. The gospel comes to people in Corinth, but here's the problem. Corinth lived deeply in people. And so we have a problem From the very onset in the book of corinthians We find that these are people who have lived the particular way for a really long time They've been formed by their culture. They've been formed by the city and so they're not going to have their act together Immediately it's going to take some time to be formed in the way of jesus Which just reminds me about the nature of the church That the church is to be the place where sinners can come The church is to be the place where we can bring our brokenness. The church is to be the place where you do not have to be perfect. I I tell you, if you're perfect, you're going to mess up our church. I'm just going to tell you right now. If you're perfect, you are going to mess up our church because our church is full of broken people who are in need of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And from the very beginning, the church was never a place for people who had their act together. I think about what Eugene Peterson said. Eugene Peterson said that Christian churches are not as a rule model uh, communities of good behavior. They are rather to be places where human misbehavior is brought out in the open, faced, and dealt with. But here's the thing. Christian communities are not as a rule models of good behavior. What makes the church different from the world around us is not simply that we have our act together. What makes the church different from the world around us is we recognize the depth of our sin and our need for mercy, our need for the grace of God, our need to be rescued by a power outside of ourselves. And so the church is to be a place for broken, ordinary people in need of the grace of God. And this is what Paul is getting at in this letter. The Corinthian church is probably the church that Paul had the most problems with. And what's ironic about them is this: they were probably the church where the Holy Spirit was most active. They were the church where there were miracles happening. They were the church where healings were taking place. They were the church that had a heightened awareness of of the Spirit of God in their midst. But the problem with the church at Corinth was even though they had a heightened awareness of the Holy Spirit's presence, this was a political church. This church was caught up in all kinds of factions, all kinds of gossip, all kinds of side-taking. And so this church, here's the irony of it. They were gifted by the Holy Spirit... But their anointing for miracles Outpaced their appetite for maturity Their anointing for miracles Outpaced their appetite for maturity And we see this over and over again In the book of Corinthians For example, in Corinthians chapter 13 You know, it's, it's, the, it's the love chapter Love is patient, love is kind You have this in your bathroom, yes? Uh, and, and, all that stuff, and, and, and all that stuff there But when Paul wrote that letter called the love chapter, he did not have in mind wedding bells. He did not have in mind a bride walking down as someone's reading and love is patient and and love is kind. When Paul wrote that, he was not thinking about a wedding ceremony, and no offense, I mean, I think we had that read at our ceremony, it's wonderful, praise the Lord for it. But when Paul had that in mind, that passage, he wasn't thinking about a wedding, he was thinking about a church that had lots of miraculous powers among them, but very little maturity. And what Paul put that in between is Corinthians 12 and Corinthians 14 because 13 is before 12 and 14. Yes, he puts that in between that, not because he wants to talk about weddings, but he's situating it in between the miraculous passages. Corinthians 12 and 14 are about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And Paul puts Corinthians 13 right there to say if you're going to operate in the power of God, this power must be formed by love. And so Paul here is writing to a church that had lots of particular challenges, issues, gaps, limitations, and we see the same happening as it relates to Paul talking about spirituality and sexuality. The Corinthian church separated their body from their souls. They disconnected their spirituality from their sexuality, and so Paul is trying to give them a profound revelation that I want to share with you this morning. In verse 19, Paul says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? This is an astounding theological truth, and let me show you how astounding this is. Because all throughout the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, we find that God is always looking for a dwelling place. Yes? God is always looking for a dwelling place, a place to dwell, a place to be in communion with humanity. God dwells in a tabernacle in the Old Testament. As the people of God get free from Egypt and as they're on their way to the promised land, they realize we need God to go with us. And so God dwells with them in a tabernacle, journeying with them through the wilderness. But it wasn't enough for God to be with them in a tabernacle. From the tabernacle, God's dwelling place becomes the temple. Where in the most holies of holies, that where the presence of God, the temple was the place where heaven and earth would converge. Heaven and earth met in that particular place, and and, and one day a year the high priest would go into the holies of holies to make a sacrifice for the entire people of God. But that's was God's dwelling place, tabernacle, temple. But it wasn't enough for God to dwell in a tabernacle. And it wasn't enough for God to dwell in a temple. And the scandalous truth of Christianity is that God was not content in a tabernacle and in a temple, that God became flesh and heaven and earth met in Jesus Christ. In the body of Jesus Christ, heaven and earth met. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. And dwelt among us. The book of Colossians says this about our Lord. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. That is, when you see Jesus Christ, you're not seeing a God. You're not seeing a God among many other gods. You're seeing King of kings, Lord of lords, God of gods, the fullness of God. The fullness of God dwells in his body Tabernacle, temple, Jesus And you would think that's a place to end But the story continues And look how scandalous this is Because the dwelling place of God Jesus said, it's better for me that I leave Why? Because if I leave, the Holy Spirit can come Because God is looking to dwell among the people and now the church Listen to this How scandalous this is The church now The body of Christ Is the dwelling place Of God That we In one sense Collectively Are the people of God Are the dwelling place of God And look how Crazy this is I love how Diedrich Bonhoeffer says Diedrich Bonhoeffer In one of his books Ethics says That the church Is not a religious community Of worshipers of Christ Listen to this You're going to need An hour with this But it's Christ himself Who has taken form among people When my son says, hey, where's that? Where's jesus? I said, well, there's a couple of ways to answer that He's at the right hand of the father right now But where is jesus? jesus is among us right here Taking form among his body tabernacle temple jesus body of christ church And then it gets even more scandalous our individual bodies. Our in the, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? The place where heaven and earth meets? And whose body? In your body. In those who belong to Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God comes and we receive this tremendous gift. You are the place where God Longs to dwell You are the place where God chose to dwell. This is the theological Underpinnings of what Paul is getting at and if we don't have this revelation We're not going to understand the rest of it Paul looks at the church and says your body Is sacred There's a holiness to your body And God lives in your body Now it begins to make sense Paul's now teaching on sexual ethics Because if your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit There are to be some implications of that And that's what Paul gets to in this text If your bodies, if you're a follower of Jesus And if your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit And they are Then there are some particular implications. I want to just list three that I see in this passage. The first is this When your body is the temple of the holy spirit what we do with our body then is not to be determined by our cravings What we do with our bodies Are not to be determined by our cravings, but this is what was happening in the church Paul picks up a slogan. He says you guys say I have the right to do anything how American. I have the right to do anything. That's the slogan. That's what people wore on their t shirts in Corinth, in the church and outside the church. I have the right to do anything, but Paul says, but not everything's beneficial. You say, I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. Hear what Paul is saying. Because you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Because you are the meeting place of heaven and earth in your body That popular slogan is not to be our popular slogan And when you follow the logic of the corinthian church, you begin to find out how they could arrive at this place because evidently as paul is writing I just read the text people in the book of corinthians were making it Justifiable in the name of jesus to be attached to a prostitute how in the world do you arrive at that conclusion? Well, I'll tell you, there's a theology behind it. The Corinthian church were really super spiritual people. Super spiritual people. But their super spirituality differed from our super spirituality. When we say in our culture that someone is super spiritual, what we mean by that is basically that person really does not, uh, is, is trying to do whatever they can to resist being human. And so they're super spiritual. Super spiritual. They're always connected with god, but there's no language to being a human being They're not real about their emotions. They're not real about their pain real about their loss They're caught up in god and in the process of being caught up in god. They're less human And we've all met people at a time at some time in our lives We've all probably been that kind of person where we just so focus on god that we deny our humanity That's super spiritual in our day but in paul's day Super spirituality was different In our day because we're so super spiritual we tend to be afraid of the body and try to refrain from anything related to our body For the church in corinth. They did the very opposite They were so super spiritual that they said all we really need are mystical encounters with god. That's all that really matters experiences with god, which means That we could do whatever we want to do with our bodies Because all god cares about is our souls and so All we care about All god cares about is our souls Therefore we can do anything we want to do with our body. And so we're seeing that the body is less than the spirit But that's bad theology friends Because when jesus christ died for you, here's the question did jesus christ die for your soul or for your body Let me answer he died for both Before some of you say, so, and they go, no, no, no. (laughs) He died for your entire being, which is why at the end of everything, when you die and at the end of all things, we're not going to be on a cloud with a harp in our hands. I'm sorry. And you're not going to have wings and all that stuff there. We are going to be embodied people in the presence of an embodied Jesus. Our bodies matter. Our souls matter. For the church at Corinth, they were so free, though. Oh, they thought they were. We could do whatever we want. Their notion of freedom was, my rights are the most important thing about me. How American. (laughs) American freedom is my rights are the most important thing. Christian freedom is my rights are to serve the purpose of love. American freedom is my rights are about me. Christian freedom is my rights are about serving and loving others in the way of Jesus. This Corinthian church had the American spirit all over them. And Paul is saying, no, no, no. We are called to live beyond this. Why? And here's where it gets tricky. And I just want to say this parenthetically and then move on to my second thing. Paul says, the reason why we are to be discerning about our cravings, about our bodies, is because when we sin sexually, this is Paul's language, listen to this. We sin against ourselves. We sin, he says, all other sins are outside of the bodies. Lots of scholars are wrestling, but well, what does this actually mean? But what Paul talks about in this passage is there's something unique about sexual sin that does damage to us psychologically, spiritually, emotionally. That if, not, if we're not careful with who we join our bodies to, there's a lingering effect that it has on our lives For years And so because you are The temple of the Holy Spirit We are to be discerning About what we do with our cravings With our desires It's not to eliminate them We've talked about that already But it's to be discerning about them Secondly To live this truth That your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit Means that we must be honest About our temptations and addictions Now I use this language because Paul says, you all say He's talking to the church I have the right to do anything But then he follows by saying But I will not be mastered by anything Paul says, I'm not going to be mastered I'm not going to be in subjection I'm not going to be in shackles To the so-called freedom that I have And here's the irony of the text They are so free That they don't know that they're in bondage because they have made their freedom the end goal And when you serve freedom You end up in all kinds of different bondage This is what paul is getting at here. It's ironic. It's countering culture, It's counter instinctual But anytime we say I could do whatever I want and will do whatever I want. That's not an indication of our freedom It's ultimately sooner or later an indication of our slavery and so paul says i'm not going to be mastered by anything which reminds us, to be honest About our struggles I love this text And I love what Paul is trying to do He's trying to help this church Live above the particular struggles And mastery of sin over their lives And the body of Christ Is to be a place, friends Where we're able to name The particular struggles The particular addictions The particular temptations That, have, that, that are exhibiting mastery Over us right now I've been a pastor at this church for 15 years. I've been a human being for 44 years. I know what it's like to be in bondage. I know what it's like to be in struggle. I know what it's like to pastor people in bondage and in struggle. And one of the greatest gifts we can give one another as the body of Christ is to be honest about our struggles. So many of us have tried to manage this on our own. We just think more willpower will help me Another church service if I just had another church service. That's all I need, but we need one another To be honest about our struggles So many people in our church are carrying secrets. I met with someone earlier today Said i've been carrying a secret since I was three years of age And this thing haunts me So many of us are struggling in all kinds of different bondage, And what Paul is letting us know here is we must not be mastered by anything. How do we overcome that? By vulnerability, by confession, by being the church for one another. And here's the truth of our age. We're being mastered by so many powers and principalities in the world. A couple of weeks ago, I gave these statistics about pornography and the impact and and the mastery that it's having over our lives, that porn sites receive more regular traffic than Netflix, Amazon, and Twitter combined. That at least 30% of all data transferred across the internet is porn-related. Which is to say, this is impacting our congregation in some way or another. And may this be a year of freedom for us. May this be a year where we're experiencing the grace of God over our lives, the healing of God over our lives, that we are not mastered, that the way the Corinthian church was mastered. Which leads me to the third piece here, and then we'll receive communion together. Paul is reminding the church that we must discern who, when, And why we give our bodies to others There's a wonderful book that I read a number of years ago It came out in 2008 It's called How to Avoid Marrying a Jerk (laughs) I know what some of you are thinking right now Man, why didn't that book come out earlier whatever (laughs) That book was retitled How to Avoid Falling in Love with a Jerk Or Jerquette um, and what I appreciate about that book is uh, The author is writes about the relationship um, Attachment model Various ways that we connect to one another And it's really helpful to see this because it is a Countercultural way of connection with one another that our culture knows nothing about And so there are five essentially sta- spaces of connection and here's the premise of the book, the premise is the, the 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 category to the left is to be higher than the next category. And so, first of all, you have to you meet someone. You have to get to know someone, and after knowing them for a little bit, you learn to trust them. And after trusting them for a little bit, you you begin to rely on them very practically. And after you rely on them for some time, you then. Commit your life to them you realize they're trustworthy. They we, I can rely on them I can commit to them and then talking romantically and then there then there's a space of touch that's when we get into sensuality sexuality all the rest and 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 if and if this we have to know before we trust and trust before we rely and rely before we commit, but our culture runs totally against this Our culture goes from no to touch in two hours. <laughs> in every movie that you watch, they meet, they don't even know each other's last names. And the bar scene goes to the hotel. Just like that. And what Paul is... Did someone just bark here? I, I, I just, I, I'm... Did, did the dog just say amen? I mean, just... Come on now I feel the Holy Spirit now I'm going to preach real good Our culture has it backwards And so I don't get I don't expect the world to understand this I don't expect the world to agree with this I don't expect the world to say, this is wrong. You Christians are prudes. You Christians are, are so uh, old school. You Christians are so antediluvian. You Christians just don't get it. But Paul understands something significant about our lives, that we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. And why is this important? Paul makes it very plain. And I want to end with this. Why do we do this? Why are we called to discern what we do with our bodies? Why are we called to live in holiness before God? Why are we called to recognize the connection between our spirituality and our sexuality? Because you were bought with a price. You were bought with a price. What was the price? The the, the price was the very body of Jesus Christ. How did God love us? Not with just words, but with his body. With his broken, poured out body. When he was getting ready to show the depths of his love to us, he didn't just send us a card and say, hey, I love you. He poured out his body taking on sin on his body. This wasn't a theological exercise for Jesus. He took it on his body. You were bought with a price. Then Paul closes this section, therefore honor God with your bodies. Why? Because God has honored you with his body. What A wonderful way to go into the table of communion because in communion we recognize that Jesus gave his body for you and in communion we receive the bread and the cup and we say Lord thank you for giving us your body and may we now recognize that our very bodies are temples of the holy spirit when we receive communion we're not just going through religious exercises here we are mystically connecting ourselves to jesus christ and opening ourselves up to this divine reality the body of christ is among us and there we are called to love god and honor god with our bodies let's pray Lord Jesus, we confess that it is so easy for us to separate our soul from our body, to disconnect our spirituality and our sexuality. And Lord, I trust that the Holy Spirit at this moment is applying and speaking to our very hearts this day about the uniqueness of our own lives and what you're calling us to. And in this spirit, Lord, we come to the table of communion, recognizing that you have poured out your body on our behalf. Thank you for the gift of the table that we come not in our name, but in your name. We come not in our works, but in your great work. We come not in our righteousness, but in your righteousness. Thank you for the hospitality that you offer to us and the communion that we get to experience as you receive the bread and the cup. And so for all these things, we give you praise. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Let's all stand together. want to give us a moment for our own confession before God. If you need any elements, feel free to raise your hand, and one of the ushers will, will hand one to you. We've been in this 10-week series, and listen, every single one of us, we have work to do. The Spirit of God is longing to work in our souls. And we've been in this for 10 weeks, 10 long weeks. I'm ready for a vacation. I, yeah, I'm not ready for vacation, but... God is at work friends and so let's pray this prayer of confession that we have on the screen and then I'll lead us in receiving the bread and the cup let's put that on the screen let's pray this together together almighty God our heavenly father we have sinned against you and our neighbor through our own thoughts in thought, in word and deed In what we have done and what we have left undone. For the sake of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, forgive us all our offenses and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. The Lord Jesus, in the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me as the people of God rescued by the broken body of Jesus Christ. Let's all receive together. the same way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is a new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the lord's death until he returns as the people of god forgiven by the poured out blood of jesus christ let's all receive together thank you for the gift of your broken body and poured out blood that you've honored us with your body. And may we do the same in turn. We sing to you now words of praise and words of worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's sing in response together.
1: I just want to speak the name of Jesus every the heart and every mind Cause I know that there's peace within your presence I speak Jesus And I just want to speak the name of Jesus Till every dark addiction starts to break. Declaring there is hope and there is freedom. I speak Jesus. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Break every stronghold, shine through the shadow, burn like a fire. Yeah. I just want to speak the name of Jesus and over.
0: going to sing that again. We're going to sing that again through, but this is what I want to invite us to do, friends. Wrapping up 10 weeks, we've covered a lot of ground, and we're just beginning really in terms of what this means to flesh this out in our local community. But this is what I know to be true about our lives. There are lots of people in this room, lots of people watching online, that you are stuck. There's a stronghold over your life, strongholds of shame, strongholds of lust. Your marriage is in need of a restoration and resurrection. You're lonely. You're angry. You're battling stuff from years ago that you have not brought to the light. And you're really crying out for God to do something in your life what I want to invite you to do, we're going to sing together for a little bit longer and I want to invite you to not just respond with your head, I want you to respond with your body. And as we sing, I want to invite you to come forward as a cry for God's mercy over your life, as a sign of hunger for the living God, as a sign that God I know you can break some stuff off of me. I I believe in the God of encounter, and I believe in the God of formation. The God of formation is the God who who helps us in our day-to-day as we pray, as we're reading. And our transformation is just kind of slow and steady. But this same God is the God of encounter, who in a moment can break stuff off of you. Who in a moment can fill you with truth where lies have taken up so much space. Who in a moment can begin to reconcile stuff that has been fragmented for many, many years. And so I want to invite you to move your body. And as we sing together, you might say, I'm in the balcony, I can't get down there. You'll be just fine. There's stairs right in the back there. And as a sign of hunger. And as you come forward, I want to ask pastors and elders and deacons to come around people and lay hands on shoulders. I believe there are moments where there's a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit to break strongholds. And so, as we sing, I want to invite you to come forward and let's worship God together. Amen? Let's respond let's move our bodies and let's worship our living God together. Let's sing.
1: So i throw up my head, And praise you again and again Cause all that I have is a hallelujah Hallelujah And I know it's not much I've Got nothing else fit for a king oh, Except for a heart singing Hallelujah, Hallelujah. So I throw, so I throw up my hands and praise You again and again. He meets You at surrender. All I have is a Hallelujah. He meets You at surrender. A Hallelujah. I know it's not much. Surrender. I let go. So I throw and I throw up my head. Praise you right now. Receive your freedom right now. Receive your breakthrough right now. Receive your healing right now. And I know it's not much. I've Got nothing else fit for me, except for a heart singing. Hallelujah.
0: Hallelujah. We'll be closing our gathering in a moment, and I imagine maybe. Some of you outside and uh, watching online or maybe in the church here and maybe something is crying inside of you to step forward, but there's some resistance, some fear, some shame. What I want to do is I believe God wants to meet you and touch you and heal you. We're just going to go for it. Listen, we watched three-hour movies and such. We're going to be okay with a couple more minutes here. If you're at the church here and you realize there's some stuff that I just can't shake. A depression I just can't shake. Some wounds I just can't shake. Some stuff that's happened to me many, many years ago, I just can't shake it. And you want a touch from the living God. Maybe right where you're at, maybe just slip your hand up and the person next to you, just place your hand on their shoulder very lightly. And let's just speak Jesus' name over the struggles, the pain. Let's do that for a few more minutes and then I'll close this. I'll bless you. We'll send you on your way. Maybe you're realizing, I, I, I just, I need God to do something in me that I can't do for myself. And I'm hungry. Just gently place your hand on their shoulder. And just to sing and worship, inviting God to do something for us that we can't do for ourselves. Amen. Our prayer team is here, our elders and pastors, and we want to serve you and love you and pray for you, but let's just sing, and I believe God is doing something in this moment right now. We want to just linger a little bit more in the presence of Jesus as he's looking to set the captives free. Let's sing.
1: I just want to speak the name of Jesus Over every heart and every mind I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus I just want to speak the name of Jesus to every dark addiction starts to break Yes, Lord there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus this is what we speak your name is power your name is healing your name is light. break every stronghold shine through the shine Burn light! darkness for every enemy Jesus for my family I speak the Holy
0: Can we give God praise in this place? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. As we close, I want to invite our prayer team to come to my right. We want to make that available for those of you who want individual prayer ministry. We're happy to offer that to you. And maybe you came in here just needing someone to speak the name of Jesus over your life and over your family. And we'll be here as long as we need to, to serve you in that way. If you're watching online, just so grateful that you're with us as well. And Jesus can meet you right where you're at and I trust that Jesus is meeting you right where you're at at this moment. This series has been an important series for our church moving us into some new spaces. And I believe God wants to continue to heal and restore and bring newness of life to every single one of you, every single one of your families. My hope is that we would continue to have, in our individual time, and in our time together as a church family, just a hunger for God. Our journal uh, reflections that we've offered online for every week of this series will be available one last time for this series. And so feel free to meditate on that some more. You can go on our website for more information. If you've never said yes to Jesus Christ, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, maybe you came here visiting, you thought to yourself, what did I get myself into? God is inviting you inviting your very life to be a place where he dwells and if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ if you've never said I want to follow Jesus and his teachings I want to enter into relationship into communion with him we want to help you to do that you can come forward for prayer you can use that QR code or that website to let us know that you'd like to make that decision and one of our pastors would love to help you take that next step. but you can start right now by just talking to our prayer team. And maybe you say, I want to get baptized. I really, I've, I've said yes to Christ already. I want to take the next step of baptism. We want to help you to do that as well. But as we close, let me invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. And may God continue to fill this community with a hunger for his presence walk and live in the Spirit, to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, to recognize that our community and our very bodies are temples for the Holy Spirit, and may that shape the way we live in this world. With your hands and your hearts in a posture of receiving, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you, make His face to shine upon you and fill you with peace. May you walk out of this building in the power of the Holy Spirit and walk out of this online gathering in the power of the Holy Spirit, recognizing that God is near, God is with you, that God is for you. And may you offer that to the world around you. I bless you all in the strong, in the holy, in the resurrected name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. Grace and peace. Thank you, Lord.